He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellottified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always optimistic, always, 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 Alexia Cristina Postelides. Hey, upa. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Oh, my goodness. I love that you said upa. It's opa, but well, you know. I know. I realized that after I said it's opa, not upa. Well, that's now I'm going to say since you're 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 saying that what's on your mind that you said upa. Now, what's on your mind today? <laughs> Nothing good with the upa coming out. Actually, <laughs> what is on my mind today is let's get tipsy. What is on my mind today is event security. Now, event security services continue to proliferate as the need continues to rise. But like all services, it's important to know what you're getting when you enlist security services. If it's being provided by a venue, be sure to confirm that your coverage area and time needs can be explicitly met by the in-house provider before assuming you'll receive their full attention as needed. Many of those guards are also patrolling other areas. If you intend to bring in your own security, be sure to get approval from the venue, as well as proof of licensure, insurance, and training from the provider. Be explicit about intended security performances. Is it entrance bag check that you need? Uh, are you providing a stage barrier? Do you have a, headline, a headliner that needs to be moved? Whatever the case, you want to schedule the proper proper security and do spot checks to ensure they're doing their job and all established protocols are being met. And remember that even if something unexpected happens or goes missing, the precautions you took, if nothing else, provide a solid baseline from which you can develop a tighter security plan. Your preventative measures may also bode well should the unexpected lead to litigation. And that's my tip on event security. Wow, I did not know how much detail went in to that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I had no idea. Well, you're welcome. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. So who do we have on today? Tell us. Okay. Our guest today has been working in the events and hospitality industry for over 20 years. And yet she looks like she's 12. I mean, she's ageless. Gorgeous. She has expertise in large events, including the Super Bowl, Masters, the 2008 Summer Olympics, and recently has worked 
worked with large-scale tech and food service conferences. She is the creator of The Epic Connection, a community and healing collective, speaks to my heart, creating connections for individuals to find holistic practitioners and healing modalities to deepen the relationship with self on a more authentic level. She is trained a trained sound healing practitioner and embodied dance coach and works individually with both sound and movement as a healing art form. Please welcome the founder and, man, and managing partner of Epic Meetings and Events, a full service event planning firm, the beautiful, talented, and graceful Gretchen Yerke. Yes. Hey, All wow. of those things, <laughs> all of them and more. Just- oh, thank you. Well, Gretchen, we start this podcast as we do every week with an opportunity to get to know you a little better with something we call 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions? Yay! Oh, yay. Okay. (laughs) So this is how how it works. (laughs) I have 10 questions for you. First thing that comes to mind, Alex has two minutes on the clock, and we will start now. Gretchen. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. I thought you did. I I needed to ask anyway. What do you you love most about what you do? Uh, Connecting people and having um, great experiences. And when was the last time you tried something new? Oh, today, first podcast. There you go. You're what? you actually are always trying something new. That's my impression. This is of you. true. <laughs> yes, you're always trying something new. When was the last time? Oh, I just asked that. What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Reciprocity. Oh. Reciprocity. That's a good one. We have to come back to that, Alex. Yes. What is the most memorable live concert, show, or festival you've ever experienced? It's funny, I talk about this. Um, my first real concert was a heavy metal concert. I went to Guns N' Roses Metallica at um, former Jack Murphy Stadium when I was in ninth grade. <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. I love that you referenced the Murph. As a native yes. San Diegan, thank yes, you for referencing the Murph. the Murph. Yes. If Mickey Mouse weren't famous, would you have him over to your home for dinner? No. <laughs> Very quick and factual there. What's Very the- decisive. <laughs> What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? Mm, judging myself. Mm. Mm. Gretchen, could you live with a ghost? Absolutely. I love it. And uh, what do you like least about what you do? Uh, well, I'm sure we'll get into this, but the, the waste. Ah, and are you superstitious? No. No. Ooh. Unlike Yaya, yes, Alex? <laughs> Very much unlike Yaya. Yaya is extremely superstitious. In fact, talk about your being okay to, to, to be with ghosts. It's not really ghosts, but I, I was thinking about this this morning, Anthony. Paspalitse to alati, which you... means, it means sprinkle the salt. Oh, can you repeat that? <laughs> Easy for you to say. Paspalitse to alati, paspalistes to alati. So you do this when you want to rid somebody from your life immediately oh. and forever. Oh, 
Yeah. So, uh, for example, okay, you remember my cousins Constantine and Constantina, right? Of course. And the knife giving incident? Yes. What I didn't tell you is that before Constantine came around, Constantina had a longtime boyfriend named Yanni, right? Well, they broke up, obviously, but Yanni never got over her. So now, it uh, fast forward to Constantine and Constantina's first wedding anniversary. They they did it big. They hired a band, had it catered. Constantina, you'll love this, bought a very beautiful and extremely expensive gown, but she hit the tags because she was going to return it after the wedding. Oh. Okay, but <laughs> I've done that before. Right? Right? <laughs> Come on. Who hasn't? Right? We've all done that. Uh, but I've it, never bought a dress and returned it. Let me just state that <laughs> for the record. <laughs> All right. For you, it's just sequins. But, but, but unfortunately, at this party, Yanni showed up drunk. And he challenged Constantine to a duel so that, you know, because he was prepared to fight for his true love. But Constantine tried to ignore him. Yanni grabbed him by his coat, throwing him off balance, knocking him into Constantina, who went headfirst into the chocolate fountain, ruining her dress, causing the table to knock over, sending the chocolate fountain right into the middle of the band. Yaya reached into her purse, grabbed the salt shaker she kept on her at all times, sprinkled the salt behind Yanni. Just like that, he was gone for good. So superstitions, we Greeks believe in them and we follow them. And if we don't, Yanni shows up. <laughs> Gretchen, will you be carrying a bottle of salt with you here on out? No, I have my Palo Santo or Sage. Oh, okay. Oh, ah, I, there you go. I'll go downstairs and get mine. It's the modern day equivalent. <laughs> I guess. I guess reciprocity 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 what is it about reciprocity that Uh, defines you it's an energy exchange it's a give and take you know I think that's a lot and a lot of it for me is reciprocity with earth and mother nature Um, we're constantly taking and taking and what are we giving back to her This definitely speaks to your feel, to your thoughts on sustainability Mm -hmm. and, and the industry that we work in and the waste that we see on a daily basis. What, Mm -hmm. um, for you, what's the hardest thing to deal with from a sustainability practice in events? Single use. Single single use. use. Yeah, I would Mm -hmm. say most of it is, you know, gosh, and it's really difficult, Anthony, I know you know that, you know, you see this, I mean, it's just all of the coffee cups and the water bottles and, and most hotels don't have a recycling program or, or they've said they do but in reality they really don't have a recycling program. Mm. And I think it we've gone beyond the recycling it's it's it, we need to move to more of a, a zero waste um, i cuz i last i heard i don't feel that china was taking our recycling anymore and so now they're just sitting on barges out in the middle of the water mm-hmm. um so really it's moving towards how can we eliminate additional waste um what are some of the things that you like to see venues do in that regard, is there anything that any practices that you're seeing happen or that you're actually hap- helping to make happen? 
You know, I've seen a lot of hotels now, and uh, it was a hotel you and I just worked worked at in Charleston, at the Charleston place. They um, now have water stations at on every floor, and uh, you have uh, aluminum water bottles in your hotel room, so you're allowed to, you know, go to every floor and fill up your water bottle, and it's essentially more or less creating habits. Um, I noticed the most people it's, it's a habit, you know, they're used to a plastic water bottle in their room and then they can just get access to as many as they want. And it's just a habit. And the habit is creating is knowing that you have a bottle that you can use for the entire week and continue to fill it up. And so I've seen hotels now are, are moving to water fill stations. Um, for me, I try to eliminate single use cups, um, coffee cups on the coffee stations, unless they're specifically asked for. Um, but it's difficult because people um, are habitual and they're used to the things and especially in, in the hotel world, they're just, mm -hmm. it's just common practice. Yeah. I've, um, did I've you actually... find that? Oh, I'm sorry. I just really want to ask this. Did you find that during the pandemic, even I know we didn't have events for a long time, but as we came back, that people were fearful of using something over and over again, instead of it being a, a disposable cup? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was, that was, um, COVID didn't do anything to help our sustainability Nothing. at all. In, in fact, um, I would say it pushed us back a few yeah, years. It made us worse. Mm -hmm. Which is ironic because the one thing that everybody noticed, myself very much included, was how beautiful the sky was. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. I guess a yeah. beautiful sky is a small price to pay. I'm, I'm being <laughs> very facetious here. <laughs> I, I have seen I have seen Gretchen uh, check on coffee setups and ask for the plastic cups to be removed. And it might sound like a small thing, but it's, it's the kind of thing that takes a lot of energy because in a hotel setting, you might have that agreement with your CSM, but somebody down the line who's preparing that cart will likely say, well, why aren't there any plastic cups on this cart? There should be, it must've been a mistake. And mm -hmm. so they'll include the cups on the cart without really paying attention. And so uh, you can be, you can, you are on it. Let me just say it that way. You are on it when you see it. Mm -hmm. And I have to assume that you have the client's approval there and you have their buy-in. Yeah. Uh, for the most, for the most part, I try to partner with clients um, who are more in alignment and just give them a heads up that this is really important to me and a passion. And if, this is, you want to work with me. This is how I work. Uh, I, I'm not going to sacrifice, you know, for that. Do you, um, do you often find yourself thinking of things that could help? Uh, you're, you're at a property, you're with a client, uh, you're seeing incredible waste and you're thinking to yourself, boy, if they would only think about doing this with that, is there anything that comes to mind? Um, yeah, I do talk to hotels about, you know, cause food is another huge waste. Um, I, was gonna ask so you about that. <laughs> I try to be very, very diligent in my guarantees so that we're just right about where we need to be. So we're not having food waste and some, some hotels do put their food into, um, their cat, their like employee cafeteria, but a lot of it goes in, in the waste and, you know, in the trash. And it's, it's really sad to see 
so much food being wasted. Um, so I, I try to, you know, have the conversations with the CSM and see what, what they do with their food waste and have they looked into programs that are local. And, you know, there is a lot of legal around that as well, that they can't, mm -hmm. they're not allowed to do that and the timing of the food, et cetera, which I you know you all know. Um, I think recently I was at a Ritz Carlton and they are still, you know, serving uh, water in the little, little tiny, small, mm. like one sipper plastic yes, bottles. Yes. And I said to them, you know, the Hyatt is, you know, I, I had to like to bring in another brand, but I'm like, they're giving away, you know, every room they're giving you a water bottle. It's branding. You're missing a huge branding opportunity by giving away, you know, a reusable mug, you know, or even a coffee mug. Um, so that, that, those are things that I have talked to hotels about and salespeople and they've gone, Oh, you know, and they will bring it to their upper management. But I was really surprising to see somebody like the Ritz Carlton and a larger, a Marriott brand. That's not, not on top of that. We've talked on this program previously about the lack of standards in even some of the brand name hotels. Yeah. I shouldn't say standards, but standard standardization of practices. That's really more appropriate. Um, it sounds like you encounter that quite a bit. What one Ritz Carlton might do, another one isn't even aware of, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Does that just irk you? Does yeah. That just <laughs> yeah. This is a really challenge about this industry. Um, amongst, yeah, like I said, waste is probably the, I love what I do. And this is one of the reasons why I want to get out of the industry and, and move away just because um, it's lacking the consciousness of the, the planet mm -hmm. when, when we do it. Um, and even, even to the, um, the swag, the swag bags, I mean, how much swag can one person have and need, but, you know, clients still like to do, you know, the swag and all of the individually wrapped plastic mm -hmm. straws, or, you know, even if there's a, a sustainable straw, it's still wrapped in plastic and palm mm -hmm. plastic and more, you know, so it's, it's, it's the smallest things. And then all of that is going into the landfill. We just did a program in Orlando and printed something like 600 programs for the event. And as we were doing the strike, all I could do was look down on the, at the floor and see the numerous programs that had just been discarded and left beautiful programs, beautiful, just discarded and left. And I thought to myself, why are we spending the money and the paper mm -hmm. and the energy to provide these when they're just, you know, left on the floor? I have to go ahead. I, I mean, I, I've been just I, working, even at, like doing exhibit halls and working with exhibits and I, um, we do food service, which I I, um, I stepped away from working food service um, industry clients now because the amount of waste, I mean, the amount of money that exhibitors spend to set up their booths and then because it costs so much to ship back, they just leave it mm -hmm. and they just leave their whole entire build of their exhibit and it all gets trashed because they don't want to spend the money to ship it back. Because it's more cost effective just to let it go to trash, to waste. Mm -hmm. 
and then resend a note. And they do this every single show. Are there answers to this issue? Are they, are they just so big that nobody can wrap their arms around it? Or is it really simple and we're just not seeing it? You know, I don't know if it's that simple. I think it's, um, it takes a collective to really mm-hmm. start. Um, there's a great quote that really resonated with me, um, especially in this arena. It was from a book called The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life by Boyd Vardy. It says, the restoration of the planet will come from a profound shift in human consciousness. And that made so much sense to me because until we can understand and have the shift in consciousness, what we're doing to the planet, we can tell people to recycle and we can say to do all this stuff, all the things, but until there is a shift in consciousness, not, not anything's going to happen. Can so I, I ask, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know. I go just, ahead. I, from that point, I did, you know, I, it was really profound for me because my purpose now is finding of how can I shift human, the human consciousness and awaken to the oneness and unity that we have with the planet mm-hmm. that in, in individuals, instead of like berating and saying you should recycle and you should, you know, think about what you're doing to this. I think mm-hmm. until people have the, the knowing, um, will that happen? Mm-hmm. What I was going to ask you is, is this something that you see that we could do? And do you think it would be beneficial to start teaching consciousness studies? I'm actually taking a class in consciousness studies to start mm-hmm. teaching that in our schools, starting as you know, young as, as grade school and getting these kids to um, be introspective and mm-hmm. get back to the self so that we can raise our consciousness and our awareness, not just from an individual, but on, on, at, as it relates to the whole. Absolutely. I know there, um, I have friends who have children, they're raising their children in Costa Rica and they are um, in school that are learning to meditate. They're learning to grow food and work with the land um, and really have, you know, tapped into all, all of that. Um, so it is possible. I believe, I truly believe, and I hope that it'll make its way to the Western world. You'll be happy to hear that we are getting compost here in Southern California as part of I our- I did uh, hear that. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, it'll be an interesting uh, project to be involved in. I saw them already at the office, but I haven't received one at home. I have to say though, the one curious and concerning line that I read in the form that we received was about how to keep it from smelling. And I thought, well, that is going to be (laughs) a hard thing to overcome for people. It really, it really is. I mean, I've been composting myself individually for over two years now. I, but I noticed that I have a space in my freezer where I put my compost. So it doesn't smell, it's not sitting on, Uh, you know, your countertop. So then, and then I, you know, this is for me living in a condo. Um, I would put it in the freezer and then, um, when it over got too full in the freezer, I put it into a five gallon paint bucket, um, that was on my 
uh, patio with a very, very tight airproof, you know, twist top that you can get from Home Depot for about $5. And then every month I would take my compost to a farm. Um, there's a farm called Coast, Coastal Roots Farm in Encinitas and they accept compost. So once a month I take that bucket and um, drop it off and you can partner with different farms and they take your compost. Will you yes. send me that information? Because I, yes. I would love to do that. Yes. So there also are, um, you know, that's the, the inexpensive way to compost. Um, there's that new, um, my partner has that, uh, Lumi, that, that yes. countertop composter yes. and it, that thing is great. I mean, that, you just put everything in there and you press a button and it dries it down to essentially like a, like a powder that you can put on your plants. Um, it's really cool. I mean, it's expensive, but it's definitely, um, definitely a good option. Did you see the, um, I've seen this thing on Belgium. They gave everybody chickens, every household chickens, and they eliminated food waste in the landfill. I can't, I, I don't know by how much, but by just by giving the chickens food scraps, it eliminated so many tons of waste from just families having chickens. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they got fresh eggs every day and then eliminated the food waste. And I think this was in Belgium. I just saw something about that. But I'm like, well, wouldn't that be cool if we all had chickens? And then we can really, there's our yes. composting answer. <laughs> yes. And then we wouldn't be buying $9 dozen eggs. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And the eggs are fresher and they last longer. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 Countertop eggs. We tried to have chickens when, cause I grew up in Alpine, but unfortunately the the hawks kept getting to the chicken's eyes. So we, oh we, no, we weren't able to keep them, but we tried. Yeah. They're really, okay. they're really cool. Mm -hmm. For another episode, we'll talk about chickens for sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> now you of any of the planners that I have the pleasure of working with you, I have to say, take self-care really, really seriously. Uh, and it's not easy to do in this industry, as we know, because hours being what they are when you're on site with a client. And I know personally that when Gretchen is on site with a client, it's 5.36 a.m. to midnight. I mean, it's before the client arrives and the last person out the door. How do you keep yourself motivated, interested, engaged, energized when you're keeping hours like that? What are some of the secrets that you have to share? While on site? No, in, oh, general, in general, in life, okay. in life. In life. I know, um, yeah. Yeah. On site, you know, on site, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like five, six hours of sleep. Um, right. Most of mine is spent sleeping when I can and lots of coffee. Um, in my day to day, um, you know, I say COVID was actually a blessing for me. It would really allowed me to get more introspective into myself and to have a better relationship and learning how to regulate my nervous system. And I realized that my nervous system and being in this industry and it's so fast paced and high stress, my nervous system was well out of whack and having um, the spaciousness to dive in and, and see where my stress levels were, um, really got me into a self-care practice of just, of really balancing out and having time for 
presence and play and meditation um, and doing the things that, that really excite me and, and rest um, rest was huge. And I know um, COVID gave people a little bit more of that, which was, which was really good. But I will say the wake up call for me, I think was in 2019, right before actually COVID happened, I had stressed out so much that I manifested shingles on my back. And I was, how old was I? Probably 40 at the time, 41. And I was, I had a very, very small um, patch of shingles coming through. And that was, that was a wake up call for me. And Mm -hmm. like, wow, I need to, I need to get a hold of the stress and life is too short. And we're not, this is, we're not operating on people. Events is the fifth most stressful industry and we're not even, it's not life or death. However, I know some of our clients feel like it's life yes. or death. <laughs> job <laughs> However, or no job. <laughs> right. Um, but is, does this all matter? And am I living my purpose? You know, you may not yeah. be able to take some of those activities on site with you when you're working those hours, but you're definitely focused on self-preservation while you're on the job. Uh, and that, as we mature, I, I think entails knowing when to say goodnight, knowing when not to go have that drink with a client, you know, after hours. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you handle that um, and still make your clients feel and, and make, uh, you know, give people the impression that you're there, you're present, you're 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 dedicated you just need to step back and take care of you. How do you manage that? I don't know, Anthony. How do I manage that? <laughs> well, I You've think you do. Me on site. <laughs> I think you um, do it well because nobody's offended, and that's that's my point. Yeah, I think um, I I try to be really good with boundaries and creating uh, good boundaries with my client um, in a very kind, you know, way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that I tend to work with and partner with people who I respect and that also have honor and respect me and what I do. And so we have a very good reciprocity between the two of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that certainly helps, Um, but it's not always easy. Um, A lot of it is also deep breaths and a lot of breath work Mm -hmm. in between some of it. That it helps though. It does. You've talked to us about, or at least to me, about microdosing, and that's becoming a very big topic. People are talking yes. about it now. You yes. could you could you could you explain a little bit about what microdosing is and how you might use it to uh, heal or help yourself? Are we allowed? To, we're we're going to go into this. We are. <laughs> we're going to go into it. Um. Yes. So microdosing in the form of psilocybin, which is, which is mushrooms, um, can, can be really beneficial. Um, and I'm, I'm not recommending, I don't want to recommend this for anybody. This is, this is, this is my personal journey. Um, it's not, it is not for everybody, especially if you are on any sort of SSRIs or those, um, I would definitely talk to a physician or anybody about that because it's definitely not something that you want to you want to, you know, take lightly, um, going into this 
type of um, healing process. But for me, I, um, I found that when I do very, very, very small amounts of psilocybin, um, that it allows my nervous system to really settle and relax. And I, I am extremely present in every situation that I'm, that I'm in. And it allows me to look at life with fresh eyes and clarity. Um, and it's been, it's been a beautiful journey. Um, I, I haven't done it recently in a while. I've kind of decided to step away from it. Um, but when I was doing it, I, I, it really was beneficial and less stressful and allowing myself to just really come back home. Mm -hmm. Does it help? This is going to sound like a silly question and I hope you'll understand it. Does it help stop the squirrel moments? Yes. Yes. I would say it's like natural Xanax in a way. Um, it's, it's really, you know, which, which again, if you are like taking SSRIs or Xanax, then it's definitely not something to be, you have to come off those before you mm -hmm. even start right. a protocol and to work with somebody who is very familiar with, you know, working in protocols. So, um, I'm happy to, if anyone is interested, I'm happy to talk further and direct them into somebody that they can talk to regarding microdosing psilocybin. Um, but yes, it does take away to answer your question, Alex, yes, it, it <laughs> helps with the, it helps with this, the squirreliness. Um, it's, it's just a, it's an overall presence. Um, especially in the, you know, if you, you know, can work, you know, doing work, but also out in nature. Um, I like to, to microdose and go on a nature walk and it allows me really to connect deeply with the earth and to, and just things seem brighter and, um, you hear the birds chirping louder. It just gives you a greater perspective on life. Mm -hmm. That's what really other, awesome. What other activities do you partake in that help you to be the best you? Meditation, um, breath work, um, I do, and my, and sound healing, um, and movement. I just recently got my certification in embodied dance. Um, so it's moving energy, um, it's moving energy through forms of movement, specifically dance, um, which has really, really helps me, you know, get out of any sort of mood I'm really in. Um, if, I mean, I, who can be mad when they're dancing? <laughs> This is you true. Know, it's a good point. You know, That's very true. Um, and so, we've, we've talked a little bit about cold plunges. And yes. I, I think I said off the cuff once that I wanted to try sleeping on ice to you. Uh, the yeah. benefits <laughs> of ice and cryogenics. And uh, tell us about a, the cold plunge and why you recommend it. Um, I... It's, it's, it's really good. I have lots of friends who do it, but it's really good for also regulation of nervous system um, and really tapping into, into breath. And there's many, many um, great um, healing things about it. Um, just overall, it helps the inflammation in your body. Um, I have a girlfriend who started doing it. Now she does it every day. The, her longest cold plunge is 20 minutes and 30 degree. Yes. But she's, wow. pretty, but she healed a lot of um, trauma in her body through cold plunging every day. And she talks about it. 
a lot on um, on her social media. However, for me, I I haven't done it as much as I'd like to. I'm more of like a, they say you could take a cold shower, you know, you can do hot, cold, hot, cold, and always mm-hmm. ends with cold. For some reason, I'm a wimp when it comes to that because I just <laughs> love myself a hot shower. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but the plunging, the opportunity to plunge, like to actually plunge in cold, I'll take that as often as I can. Um, and it's essentially sitting in, um, my first cold plunge, I believe was 32 degrees and there was ice chips around me. Um, and my, and I was in it for about two minutes, but, uh, it's, it could be a really transformative experience. I had an out of body experience once when I was cold plunging, um, for just a, a, a second, but, um, it allows you to really take an inward journey and focus inward and on your breathing and regulating your nervous system. Um, instead of a lot of times we live in that parasympathetic where it's fight or flight, whereas we mm-hmm. want to get into that, that rest and relax and heal, um, state. I just when- have to ask you this real quick. Have you ever done spinning? Uh, like the bike? No. Where you stand with your arms like this and you look out over the fingertips and oh, you no. do it and you go very fast, slow down, speed up, look into that and because I get motion sickness very easily. And I was, it was in an acting class and I was in tears. I didn't want to do it. I said, no, I'm going to be sick. And I did it. And after 20 minutes of doing it, it was the, it was the most empowering thing. And wow. it was so meditative and very healing. I'll have to look into that. I'm open to all these. Mm bring them. <laughs> it, it really does. The practices that you partake in really do show up on the job uh, in so much as we don't see the stress and we don't experience the stress when we're working with you. It, there's a calmness and the, whatever might be happening inside you, whether there's <laughs> like a flight of nerves going back and forth, we don't see it and we don't feel it. And, and that I think comes from these practices, you know, you've become very adept at calming yourself to a point where you can communicate effectively and without sharing all those nerves and anxiousness. And so from somebody who works with you, I I have to say it's working because it's very, very, easy to even get through issues with you there's a calmness in the way that you approach even the the hardest issues and i i have to i have to applaud you because in our world that is just not easy it takes it takes a focused focused practice thank you thank you for seeing me that i love thank you that that's that's really Well, then I want to ask you guys both. I mean, and Anthony, because you've had more opportunity to work with Gretchen than I have. Do you notice in her kind of raised level of vibration, so to speak, do you notice that it unconsciously has an effect on the client? Have you noticed it, Gretchen? Have you noticed it as kind of an observer, Anthony? Well, I would have to say that the clients that I work with, with Gretchen, there is a sense of uh, respect for Gretchen and they listen and there's 
definitely uh, an appreciation for what she brings. So I have to say yes. I also think that maybe it wouldn't work for somebody who's just so high strung, a client who's just so high strung and feels like everything has to happen right now because that's not the approach that they're going to get. So mm -hmm. I don't know that it will work for everyone, but the clients that I see Gretchen with, it absolutely does work because essentially what they want is somebody who is calm and able to handle mm -hmm. the things that they don't know so much about. And that's what Gretchen brings. Yeah. Thank you. It's really, I, I think Alex, what you're getting at is, is a, it's an energy. So mm -hmm. when we have an ener a specific energy and most of our, our bodies and trained to the energy, the highest dominant waveform, this is also why I love sound is because our bodies and trained to a dominant waveform, which when you were playing sound bowls, your, your body entrains to that vibration. And that's, um, so when you have a strong, high frequency energy that is, it could be erratic or it could be calm, but whatever is the most dominant waveform, the, the energy in the room entrains to that. So if you can come into the situation clear and calm and emit that frequency, then it could allow the folks in the room to, to like entrain to your frequency to become calm. And it's really um, feeling, feeling into that. So it's really important, I think, and it, especially in this industry that's super high stress and mm -hmm. go, go, go is to come in um, very calm. And that happens from a balanced nervous system. If you in, And why those practices like cold plunging and meditation and the things is really to come deep within the body and have a sense of what, how to regulate your own nervous system. Cause if we're all walking around with dis dysregulated nervous systems, then we're all going to, we're going to be all over the place. I mean, yeah. everybody is going to, and then we're just going to feed off of the erraticness and crazy, um, which is not ideal. And especially in this industry, you have to be, <laughs> you have to be calm. And, and I, I have to say that that includes the team members that you bring with you. There is just such an aura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about the the entire team uh yes. you know it's there's just it's so I, I can't explain it any any other way but to say it's easy mm -hmm. it's just very easy and there is definitely we're attuned to humor and taking ourselves with a grain of salt not you know being taking ourselves too seriously and that permeates and even in the roughest of moments we can laugh yeah. And yeah. that's, what's important. It's, it's being able to laugh at the situation. Like this is not life or death. It is, you have to just laugh. And I mean, there has to be some sort of joy in it. To, this is why we do it. And I, I think this last event Anthony and I worked on was probably the most I've laughed in a long time on an event. We had just so much, we just had so <laughs> much fun. We had a great, a great team and had so much fun, but it was really, you know, we attuned to each other and we had a, a wonderful, wonderful time and kept, kept it joyful and laugh, laughing when it, when it needed to be. And, you know, I, I, I know some people out there are probably thinking, well, it's work. You really shouldn't be having fun, but in our work, that is so necessary because it permeates. <laughs> We're taking care of people who are there attending an event and the last thing we want to do is infuse them with stress. You know, we right. 
we want them to feel calm and that anything that they ask for is doable because usually it is and you know that it's not going to stress us out and that we can take it with a grain of 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 salt with levity that is necessary to to doing a good job yes i, I have to believe that otherwise you're just infusing a situation with more stress and drama and making people feel uncomfortable when in fact you're there to help them make them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so we are, unfortunately, we're kind of running out of time here. I hate that we are running out of time. No, this is but fun. I, this is, this is so fun. It's isn't this fun? fun? Yeah. So just a few more questions before we get to the nitty gritty. Sure. Um, what if, if you could ask your clients to do one thing, and know that they would follow through, what would that one ask be, generally speaking? <laughs> My first thought pay me more money. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. <laughs> uh, really, to, to have fun with it. I mean, it's, yeah, have fun with the event and really not try not to stress out about it and make it a fun experience. And what does a successful event look like to you? Great. That's a great question. Uh, for me, it's ultimately the, if the client has had a good time and is happy. Um, I know you can't please everybody and there's always going to be the um, people who had a wonderful time at the event and the people who have always have something to complain about. But ultimately, if my client felt it was successful and, and helpful and and overall is happy. Then I I think I'm happy too. And you sometimes work in a situation in which the client, the one who's paying the bill is the one who's setting the protocol, but there are other people involved who've been given certain uh, um, rights and privileges to make certain decisions. How does that impact your ability to do your best job. And do you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a fine line. And I know with my, you know, my, my main client, she has, um, you know, she has to please some of her team members and her board members. So it's, it's really, um, there's a lot of people who weigh in on decisions and she tries to do the best too. And I, am kind of to support her. My, my role essentially is to support her and her, her decision. And, and I will make suggestions. Um, but ultimately it can, it can be difficult when you have, um, one person wanting one thing and then your main client is not really about it, but feeling that she has to go along with the person who, you know, has to make a, you know, is whose ultimate decision it might be. Um, so it's definitely um, difficult at times when you have two people who are not in alignment with mm. what, what happens. But I, I, I feel that I've created enough trust in them that they really come back to me and ask me for my suggestions and I can give them a, um, a good idea and balance of what what they ultimately need to look for between the two and they can make the decision themselves i have been impressed by your uh a friend of mine says people do what's inspected not expected 
And mm. um, of, of all the planners that I work with, you are so good about inspecting what is delivered by the venue, by vendors. Uh, Thank you. Have you ever been in a, a situation where you haven't checked something and it, it, it's blown up in your face? I don't think I've ever had. And I'm like, now, now Alex, you got me on the superstition thing. I don't have anything that's blown up in my face. Um, you know, there are, uh, there have been uh, moments that I've maybe dropped the ball on, on something, but I, I, um, pride myself in doing a really good checklist of going through everything. Um, I'm a big one of also visualization, um, I learn visually and kinesthetically. So I really visualize the whole conference going through like day by day. And it allows me to get a greater understanding of the big picture, but also the minute details. So I can make sure I'm going through everything um, specifically what needs to be done. Um, but and, from, and a, from a blow up in the face, uh, nothing that was directly because of my doing i've had some blow-ups absolutely um 2008 summer olympics um i had a blow-up however that was not, not of my doing but i definitely had to manage in, in the situation and, and figure out and um how to get around it so i have to i have to share with the audience because i was just so impressed when i saw you with your your beo in front of the buffet stations, checking <laughs> off the items to make sure that everything that was in the BEO was actually on the buffet. That is the kind of uh, inspection that should be happening mm -hmm. at your level, but doesn't always happen at your level. Right. And it's just so impressive that those are the details. You know, you want to make sure that what it is they say you're going to get, you actually do get. And the fact that you take the time to check something that small is just, it's, it's definitely a best practice that everybody should Absolutely. Be doing. You know, my, and my mom is really, I mean, she trained me. So she's the one who essentially taught, taught that to me, but it is, it's really important. Banquet services, they go off of everything is the BEO. And that's why I, I always write in the BEO is when I, when I try to say, stay away from plastics, please don't have you know, single use on the coffee stations, um, before you fill any of the coffees, please con you know, come to myself or the client, you know, even if it's on the BEO, it still sometimes gets missed. And so it's really having to be diligent about being on top of all of that, because those BEOs go through numbers of hands and people are on autopilot where mm -hmm. they're on the, you know, when they're setting up banquets. So mm -hmm. It's um, definitely a be best practice is to really check because there's a lot of times when sometimes food is missing and you've paid for it. You know, that's the worst thing is to have your client come to you and be like, well, where's that, you know, panna cotta I requested and it's not mm -hmm. on the buffet. Mm -hmm. So. So I want to, you, you talked about before we, you know, when was something you could stop doing and you, you mentioned self-judgment, right? Judging yourself mm -hmm. less. So how do you do that? How do you deal in a world where perfectionism is expected, but yet we live in an imperfect world? How do you, at the end of the day, take away any self-judgment from when something hasn't gone perfectly? Because that's a really good technique to teach. Yeah. Us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one's perfect. 
I mean, we're not all perfect and the, it's, it's more or less sitting in the consciousness and awareness that that's just a story. That's a story your ego is telling you. Um, and is this true? Really? It's like a Byron Katie. Is this true? How do you know this to be true? Um, and then really sitting with those questions and then going, okay, no, that's just a story I'm telling myself. And we, our mind likes to tell a lot of stories. Yes, it sure does. <laughs> it sure does. So it's time for us to get to the nitty gritty, okay. if you don't mind. Yes. These, these five questions that we always say for the end, uh, and we call them the Bellotified Five. <gasps> the Bellotified Five. First question. What is your golden rule? Mm, my golden rule is authenticity. Right on. You so are. You really are authentic <laughs> too. I love you. Uh, what is one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contri- contributes to your success? I'd say the, the practice of presence. Uh, and that could look like meditation, having some alone time, walking, taking a bath. But as long as you're, I think, present, if you try to be present in every single moment, um, I just finished the book, um, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And mm-hmm. it's it, a great book. And great it's um, the time is now, the place is here. So whenever I notice myself, my mind um, conversation of or the judgment or whatever is like, I need to do this or my, my find my, my mind wandering. Cause as a planner, you're always on the go mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do that. Whenever I have the awareness that my mind has drifted, I come back to the time is the time is now the place is here. And I try to become in the present moment. So I think ultimately if we can, it's a strong practice and it's a hard practice, but I think if we can continually come back to the present and the present, because that's, that's all we're living in right now is the presence. Such a good point. All right. What are the things that you tell yourself when no one is listening, Gretchen? Um, you are amazing. I love you. And thank you. Nice. I haven't, I have a lot of conversations. Those are words to live by. <laughs> I love to have conversation. I've been really tapping into my body and, um, and a lot of this practice, my, um, daily practices. And a lot of it is conversations with my body. Um, and we have this intelligent wisdom within our body and I, I'm really trying to talk to my body and let my body listen to me. And I, I'm feeling a response from it. So I always like to hug myself and tell myself, I love myself and that you're amazing. And thank you for all that you do to support me. Really, honestly, words to live by the way that Mm -hmm. you give yourself that self care and you allow yourself to give yourself that self care is so Mm -hmm. important. I need to take a lesson from that. What (laughs) everybody does. (laughs) Yes, we do. Yeah, we all do. We we all do. Well, not everybody, but most of us, some of us, uh, you know, uh, What is one change you'd like to see in the industry? I mean, really what we touched on previously is the sustainability Mm -hmm. and really having a a better practice and and 
having a higher standard for the properties and the venues that we work with um, and having a higher standard and in what we allow and, and really working with the clients to understand the need for what we do and why, why it's important overall. And lastly, what is your why? Why? Why do you do this? What gets you up in the morning? What is your why? Your purpose? Um, I think a lot of my why is connection. I love connecting people, which is why I, I created the Epic Connection is to, I just have this knack for most of my life to be able to connect people. Um, and so in this industry, it allows you to connect people, but ultimately the deeper why I think is, is love. Um, is really loving yourself and loving and showing your authenticities to allow people to love themselves and be authentic with themselves so they can show up in their most wholesome self and fulfill their purpose. Even if you're a sexy cowboy. Even if you're a sexy cowboy. <laughs> yes. I'm waiting for you to respond to that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, when we were on our last job together, uh, there was somebody who was uh, temping with us and he introduced himself as, well, he said that he, it was Halloween week and he had just been to a Halloween party. He said he went as a sexy cowboy. And I found that humorous because I don't think I could ever call myself sexy anything and to say that I went as a sexy cowboy, I thought that was pretty funny. So it we called great. him a sexy cowboy all week. Well, you know, Anthony, it was a great week. It was a great week. And you can call yourself sexy. Yes, you can. Maybe when no, when no one's listening, you say, you sexy cowboy, you. <laughs> how about I'm going to do that. How about from here on out, um, <laughs> Sir Anthony, I just refer to you. I'll just say, hey, how you doing, sexy cowboy? I love it. That. I love it too. And when I say it to myself, I'm sure to shimmy as I do. Yes. <laughs> you should. And I want video proof. Yeah, me too. I oh, <laughs> Gretchen, 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 I can't wait to see you next month in Monterey for our site visit. I am so looking forward to spending time with you again and me too. working with you again and, and helping to make this particular I am best that they can be thank you yes uh, thank you you bring, you bring a tremendous absolutely it's it's our pleasure it's always our pleasure <laughs> and uh we look forward to seeing you soon kiddo yes thank you thank you for allowing me to be here and share Hey, thank you for listening to Volatified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at volata.com backslash podcast. Volatified is a production of Volata Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Volata. Stay engaging.